19 of the Sharp Shutter Podcast. Happy Monday. Maybe it's Tuesday. Maybe perhaps it is already Wednesday by the time you are listening to this podcast. But thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. Nevertheless, it is a victory episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And if you already do follow me on Twitter... You may have noticed that I was relatively pretty quiet during yesterday's 24-16 Packers victory against the Carolina Panthers because, man, that was such a good game. So much excitement. The finish at the end, the goal line stand by the defense as as the Packers improved to 8-2 on the year. So I wasn't glued to my phone. I wasn't glued to the computer I was soaking it all in because Green Bay needed to get back into this one. The Green Bay needed to get back into the win column after the dud that they had in Los Angeles against the Chargers. And they certainly did that. They certainly bounced back. They got a much-needed win and sitting at 8-2, and two, heading into the bye week, is as good as it gets. And if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that or before the season started that at the bye week the Green Bay Packers would be sitting at 8 and 2 under new head coach Matt LaFleur I would have said you are crazy this team has already exceeded expectations in my mind and now have they've set the bar extremely high for the rest of the season including a postseason run and they get a hell of a test coming out of the bye against the San Francisco 49ers and that's why This victory was so important, especially coming off a loss against the Chargers. Because now you go into the bye with some momentum. You could heal up. You could rest up. Luckily, no serious injuries. No one too banged up. But a good time late in the season to kind of regroup. And you go into San Francisco now at 8-2. And San Fran has a huge test on Monday night against the Seahawks. But they're still undefeated as as of right now, as of uh, 1.48 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday. They are still undefeated. But going into that game with an 8-2 record, there's a lot less pressure for the Green Bay Packers. Compared to if they would have dropped Sunday's game against the Panthers, then you go into that matchup at 7-3 and three and could easily be looking at 7-4. and four. Now, I don't mean to look too far ahead, but you have a huge test against San Fran, and then after that, you play the Giants on the road, a winnable game, and then you return to Lambeau to take on the Redskins, another winnable game, and you finish it off with the division. So kudos to LaFleur and company for getting these guys ready, getting them prepared and bouncing back the way they did. Now, before we get into the actual game, what was good, what was bad, all of that good stuff, and again, there there will be no guests on this episode. It'll just be me flying solo. I'll also deliver my uh, Week 10 headlines, as I always do, on uh, Monday, Tuesday morning. So, before we get into the game, though, can we talk about how beautiful Lambeau Field is and how elegant it looks when the snow is falling? Seriously, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of cold weather and I think of snow and football is Lambeau Field. 
it lo- it looked like a perfect snow globe. There is no better environment to watch a game, watch the snowfall. And that was a little bit of a surprise because I didn't think snow is possibly in the forecast. And throughout you saw those constant flurries. But later on in that game when the field is covered, remember it's only uh, it's only the second week in November. It certainly felt like winter and that home field advantage was kicking in. I was, I was truthfully jealous. Uh, I've been to Lambeau twice. Both times I've been to Lambeau, it was in October, and both times the weather was at least 75 degrees or warmer. Insane. It was so warm. I was so fortunate. So truthfully, I think I am, uh, I've cheated the system both times that I've been there, and, and I can't exactly say that I've gotten the full Lambeau experience until I'm, at, I'm physically sitting in the frozen tundra on a cold November or December night. Maybe a little snow. I'll probably be annoyed that I'm that cold, but I, I would love to soak in that feeling. Because it just feels right. It, it's, it, it, it feels like I'm, I'm doing a disservice by not going to Lambo when it's cold. Once I do that, I fulfilled everything. I could check off all the boxes. I could officially say, I've been to Lambo. I've been to the frozen tundra. As of right now, it, it, it was far from frozen. But man, you got to love watching games like that. All right, on to the game. First and, firm, at first and foremost, the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers have their quarterback of the future in Kyle Allen. And, and this was the first game that that I really had the opportunity to watch Kyle Allen from start to finish. I thought he was excellent. Yes, he made a couple of mistakes. He throws that red zone interception. He has his fifth fumble of the year. He's got to improve in that department. But overall, I thought he played a great game. He threw for a career-high 300-plus yards, and I said it in the preview podcast. I said it. I said if Green Bay... Loses this game, lose the game because Kyle Allen beat you. And he almost did. He almost beat Green Bay. I mean, he drove his team down the field with a chance to score, possibly to tie the game. They would have had to go and make the get the two-point conversion. At the end, bad weather, snow coming down, he wasn't faced. He put together a great job. The play calling was excellent. Picked apart Green Bay's defense, got the team in position To score. Got the team in position to make a play at the end. And that's what you want to see in a quarterback. Green Bay did a great job of bringing pressure. Getting after him. Only three sacks, but there was constant quarterback pressures. Zadarius Smith was breathing on Kyle Allen nearly on every play. He stayed put. He he wasn't phased. To do all of that. On the road, in that weather environment, huge game, big implications, despite coming up with the loss, I was impressed. Travis Hancock, co-host of the Mac Attack on the fan in Charlie, he joined me in the preview episode, if you listen to that. And he admitted to me that he's not he's not a Kyle Allen guy, he's a Cam Newton guy, and wasn't sure what the Panthers had in Allen. I think his, his opinion may have changed just a little bit. After that performance. 
Because if I'm a if I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, yeah, I'm annoyed that I lost that game. But what I saw from Kyle Allen, there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to look forward to. And you could only hope that he's going to continue to improve and stop making those little mistakes that end up, not little, but they end up costing you the games. The fumble, the red zone interception. Now let's get to the let's get to the Green Bay Packers and the good. What did I like? What did I see? And we need to start with that goal line stand by the Green Bay Packers with four seconds left in the game. First of all, let's go a little bit further back. Why Ron Rivera decided to go for two when he did, I am unsure. The analytics said that. I don't know what that means. I don't know why you go for for two in that moment. I understand it's getting windy, the snow conditions, but you should still be able to make that extra point no problem. Instead, you, you, you put your offense, you put your young quarterback in a bigger pressure situation if they could get to the goal line or if they could get into the end zone later, even later in the game. But that goal line stand with the the goal line stand by the Packers defense with four seconds left. I watched that play over a couple times. And the biggest thing that I noticed, and go back if you can, you could probably you definitely could find this on Twitter. Pre-snap, and I mean a second, not no longer than a second and a half before that ball is snapped. You see Blake Martinez. Shift over Kyle Fackrell. Fackrell is still basically moving. He is not set. He is not properly positioned. Basically still moving. He beats the guard. The ball snap beats the guard. Makes first contact with McCaffrey. Then Preston Smith comes in. Wraps him up. You see the offensive lineman try to throw McCaffrey in. The rest of the Green Bay defense goes in there. And stops it. Now, I didn't think McCaffrey got in regardless. And I was pretty confident. Even though we knew it was going to review. That he didn't get in and no matter what. There wasn't enough evidence to overturn that. But you honestly, you never know with these refs. But what a team stop. And kudos to Blake Martinez for noticing, for shifting Fackrell over. Then Fackrell does the dirty work, beats his guy, and makes the first makes first contact. If Blake Martinez does not shift Fackrell over, Christian McCaffrey walks into the end zone with ease. He gets in, no problem. No problem, and now you, you have another pressure moment. For Kyle Allen and Green Bay's defense, they got to convert the two-point conversion in order to send it to overtime. So you really don't know what happens in that game, but what a team effort to come big, come up clutch in the end, make a stop when needed. Another positive, the running back duo, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Now, Rodgers said last week that Aaron Jones and Williams Needed to touch the ball any anywhere between 20 and 25 times. That's when this offense is most successful. And he got that sweet spot. Yeah, maybe even, uh, even more. Because the two of the running backs combined for 26 touches. Mind you, all of those touches on the ground. Not a single reception 
for either of those running backs who we've both seen be extremely productive in the past game. Aaron Jones, 13 carries for 93 yards and three scores. He averaged just over seven yards per carry. Jamal Williams, 13 carries for 63 yards, just under five per carry. What was so impressive about these two was that they combined for over 100 rushing yards in the second half. And that's so important. That is so important as we get later into the season. We can anticipate more snow at home. Possibly on the road when we... Well, actually, that against Chicago, that, that, is, that is a home game. So I was going to say not in Chicago. The, the other two teams in the division play in, indoors. But we can anticipate the weather to get colder. And being able to run the ball and control the clock will win games in the NFL. That hasn't changed. It may be a a pass-heavy league, but being able to control the clock and run the ball and extend drives wins games. It beats defenses up, and it wins games. And you saw that in Sunday's victory. When the run game is going, it opens up everything else. The play action is available. The opportunity for a little trickery, whether it be a jet sweep to the right wide receiver or even a play action dump off to one of the running backs, it opens everything up and Matt LaFleur's offensive system thrives on a positive run game, on a successful run game. And let's just say, Aaron Jones, man, This guy has been special. This guy has done everything he possibly can this season to lead this team in several ways. After 10 games now, Jones has an NFL leading 14 total touchdowns. 11 on the ground, 943 total yards. I mean, he's, he's done it all. He's done it in the pass game. He's done it in the run game. And Aaron Rodgers said it best after, after the victory. Everyone's talking about Christian McCaffrey, his ability to do it all, running and catching. But if you're going to put McCaffrey in the MVP talk, it's not outrageous to start thinking about or to start time to start talking about Aaron Jones in the MVP race. Because he's been leading this team, and he's been special. And it's just amazing. This year, go back to this point of last year under under McCarthy and what we saw in Aaron Jones, and seeing what he's doing and how he's flourishing in this system, man, it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. And again, we can only anticipate that these two continue to get the ball and put this team in a position to win. Another positive, Devontae Adams. Last week, Adams had seven receptions. His first game back since the turf toe injury against the Chargers. Seven receptions for 41 yards. And you could tell that there was some rust there. You could practice as much as you want, but you cannot replicate the real game game field, the real game environment. This week, you saw completely Devontae Adams. Again, still seven receptions, 
but for 118 yards. And despite the conditions, he looked very crisp. Route running was good. Speed looked good. I mean, his 38-yard catch in the second quarter was unreal. I give just as much credit to Devontae Adams to Aaron Rodgers on that play. Because Rodgers threw that ball in a spot where only Adams could get his hands on it. I don't know how the ball doesn't touch the defensive back's hand, forearm, anything. Pinpoint accuracy. Adams does a hell of a job hanging on to that ball. And then what about their second and 26? Basically from inside the five. I believe this was also play action. Adams cuts in, goes out, beats the defender. Second and 26. What a huge gain. A huge gain. When Devontae Adams is healthy, when Devontae Adams is running crisp routes, catching balls, and helping the Packers move the chain, this offense is scary. Throw in Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams in their production, and everybody else contributing. This offense has a ton of potential, and it's starting to unfold later in the season when you want it to. Another thing that I thought was good. The Packers earlier in the year did a great job of getting pressure, turning the ball over, forcing turnovers, and then it's just been inconsistent. I thought they did a much better job of getting after Kyle Allen. It felt like there was some sort of pressure on a good amount of plays. Three total sacks, but it always seemed like somebody was there. Preston Smith finished the game with two. Tyler Lancaster with the other. Preston Smith hits double-digit sacks. And he announced Sunday in that postgame that he's buying the entire defense a Rolex. Must be nice. Must be really nice. But I thought they did a really good job of penetrating and making Kyle Allen have to make quick decisions. And he did a great job. He handled it very well. Zadarius Smith had no sacks. Kenny Clark had no sacks. But Kenny Clark did a great job clogging the middle, pushing the center, getting into the backfield. He was excellent. And you look at the turnovers. Timely turnovers. Tremont Williams, the agelessless, the ageless, the oldest man on that defensive unit who plays on a consistent basis, comes up with a key interception in the red zone. Key interception. Earlier in the game, Kyle Allen fumbles. He muffs the snap. Packers turn that fumble into seven. They turn the interception and the field goal. Being able to take the ball away and turn those Drives, those takeaways into points is key. You win the turnover battle, you get pressure on the quarterback, you're going to win the game. On to the bad. 
Not many things that I could really complain about, but a few things that irked me just a little bit in this matchup. Penalties late. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith have been the engine of this defense. There is no doubt about it. But in the final moments of that game, in the final drive of that game, they need to be better. They need to execute better. They need to recognize where they are at on the field. First, Zadarius Smith jumps off sides. A few plays later, Preston Smith lines up off sides. That is inexcusable. That cannot happen down the stretch. It gave the Panthers extra opportunities to possibly tie that game. That has to be better. You get the you go back to the penalties, the delay of games from the Green Bay Packers offense. Late in that game, you are trying to run out the clock. You are doing your best to make sure you don't give Carolina the ball back. How on earth do the Green Bay Packers end up calling a timeout to stop the clock, then coming out of a timeout and getting a delay of game? How does that happen? Especially, you're at home. That was brutal execution. They end up punting the ball away. The other thing that I thought was poor. Execution right before the half. First of all, Green Bay calls a timeout. Carolina comes out on the field, then they call a timeout. So you have back-to-back timeouts. Plenty of time to draw something up. And the Packers come out with a handoff to Jamal Williams, which gets completely blown up by Gerald McCoy. I mean, Gerald McCoy was in the backfield probably at the same time that Jamal Williams got the ball. Bakhtiari whiffed so bad on that block, and McCoy just blew it up. He destroyed that play. Now, I do not disagree with Matt LaFleur's decision to go for it. I was saying go for it. You got to go for it. All gas, no break. Your foot, Put your foot in their throat. Finish them there. I'm all for going for it at that point of the game. Because if you score a touchdown, you go up 21-10 at the half and get the ball back. So I'm fine if we don't get it. The one thing, though, you got to execute better. Bakhtiari, you got to execute better. And also, I'm not sure if I would have went with a, draw, uh, with, a, with a run play right there. And if I was, I think the fullback should have been in there, Danny Vitale. Just for extra insurance. Vitaly's there. If he's there in the event that Bakhtiari still whiffs, Jamal Williams may get in. Or at least have a chance to jump over the pile. See what happens there. But the execution has to be better. Now, I'm not sure that the next couple of things that I'm going to say are necessarily bad things. But I think they're worth uh, worth noting. Jari Alexander is a great corner. 
There is no doubt about it. Athletic, physical, speed, good young player. If this good young player wants to be a great player, wants to be a Pro Bowl-esque player, he needs to start making bigger plays. And by bigger plays, I mean securing interceptions. He dropped a short game-winning pick six last night. Excuse me, Sunday night. Could have been last night, depending on when you listen to the podcast. Regardless, dropped an easy interception. We've seen him drop a few easy interceptions this year. He's got to be better. Another thing that I noticed. MVS. I think we could... I think it's safe to say that Alan Lazard has jumped him in the depth chart. Because each week we are seeing less and less of MVS and more of Lazard. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's a shame. A guy that had an opportunity. But his lack of production is seeing him off the field. And Lazard on the other hand is making the most of his opportunities. And is gaining his trust with Aaron Rodgers. Now does that mean MVS is done in Green Bay? No. Absolutely not, but that's something to to keep your eye eye your eye out for as the season progresses. Hey, it was a great win. Eight and two is eight and two, and you're sitting very pretty heading into the bye. Now, before I wrap up my week ten headlines, let's start within the NFC North. The Bears. One of a few teams that ended their four-game skid after defeating the Lions 20-13. Mitch Trubisky with three touchdowns. He's been under a ton of scrutiny. He's trying to block out all the haters. He comes up big this week. But what the heck happened with the Lions? Driscoll plays quarterback. Stafford is Sunday scratch. The NFL looking into how they handled the whole injury report situation there in Detroit. But a much-needed win for the Bears who their season was slipping, and if they would have lost on Sunday, they may have been dead, but they they keep their their season alive. The Ravens, they pummeled the Bengals 49-13, and this shocked absolutely nobody. Lamar Jackson, he's been electric. Four total TDs, three in the air, one on the ground. This guy's special. I've been so wrong about Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team, but they're getting it done. They're getting it done. They get the big win against the Patriots. They come back. They beat a uh, they beat a divisional opponent with ease. Keep an eye on this team. Come late in this in the regular season. I mentioned one team that gave up a uh, that that dropped their four games uh, skid. Another losing streak snap. The Browns prevail 19-16 and beat the Buffalo Bills. Hauschka with an opportunity. With a chance to tie it and send the game into overtime at the end, the kick was no good. Much needed win for the Browns. But is it too late? As Because right now they sit at 3-6. and six. They are going to have to go on some, some run these final six weeks to make anything happen. Can they do it? I don't think so. This was one of the surprises of the week. The Kansas City Chiefs get Patrick Mahomes back. And you would have thought the Chiefs would have cruised to victory. 
they would have been able to go on the road against Tennessee and knock them out. Not so fast. The Titans win 35-32. The Chiefs had absolutely no answer for Derrick Henry, who tallied 23 carries for 188 yards and two scores. Don't look now, but the Titans, they're 5-5. Five and five. They're hanging around, and they're making some noise after putting Mario to the bench. You bring in Ryan Tannehill to take over under quarterback. And the Titans are still in it. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes in his first first game back, he still put up huge numbers. 50 pass attempts, 446 yards, and three touch three touchdowns. Basically his norm, but still great performance by Mahomes. The defense couldn't get a stop then. Now, this easily was the biggest shock of the afternoon. The Falcons. The Falcons defeat the Saints 26-9. What the hell happened to the Saints? Not to mention the Saints were the home team in this one. Maybe it was a case of every team has that that dud, that one game that they pay, play poorly in. I think that just happened to the Saints. Just like it happened to the Packers last week against the Chargers. This was a brutal performance by the Saints. Couldn't get anything going on offense. Zero touchdowns, three field goals, nine points. Not a good week for the Saints. The toilet bowl. I thought last week was the toilet bowl between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. But not so fast. Jets, Giants in MetLife Stadium. Both of these teams share the same stadium. What happens? Defense comes up big for the Jets. That ends up being the difference maker. Taking down the Giants 34-27. Hey, Giants fans. Danny Dimes looks good. Hey, Giants fan, how does Saquon Barkley only get one rushing yard yesterday? How's that possible? Also, Jamal Adams stole that ball from Danny Dimes like it was nothing. Like it was a piece of candy. He said, give me that for seven. I guess it's good that you won if you're... I don't know. Do you want to win games if you're a Jet fan? I was watching the game with the Jet fan. He wanted nothing to do with the victory. But I guess this is just, this is the one game where you kind of want to win. It's a sense of pride. This is our stadium. This is our house. Regardless, it was an ugly game, and the Jets move on. 34-27 victory. Another team that ended their four-game losing skid, the Buccaneers. They take down the Cardinals 30-27. They were my big dog. This game, Miami Dolphins, baby. They were my big dog in last week's three picks. I told you to take the Dolphins. And they win their second straight game and improve to 2-7, two, two in a row. They're on a win streak, beating the Colts 16-12. Colts were obviously without Jacoby Brissett. Brian Hoyer didn't look so hot in this one. At the same time, what are the Dolphins still winning games? The Dolphins stink. You gotta, you gotta beat the Dolphins. And I said it in my pick segment. I said, the Colts don't blow anybody out. And with a backup quarterback starting... This could lead to some trouble. Bingo, bango. Miami wins. The Steelers, their defense came up huge. They helped lead the black and yellow to a 17-12 victory over the game, over the Rams. What a terrible game for the Rams coming off the bye week. I expected this team to be so much more prepared. I think they, they had the bye week. They, they noticed they're playing the Steelers with Mason Rudolph. Didn't take them seriously. And they got smacked in the mouth. Kudos to the Steelers' defense. 
Everyone was laughing about that Minka Fitzpatrick trade, giving up a first-round pick to bring him to town. Well, I'll tell you what. He's made a difference. He's a key member of that defensive unit now. And defense is what's keeping the Steelers' season alive, despite not having their future Hall of Fame quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. And finally, Sunday night where all of us cheeseheads were rooting for the Cowboys. Kirk Cousins and company go into Jerry's world and beat the Cowboys 28-24 to and still stay within, the, within one game of the Green Bay Packers. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, they were difference makers. Dak Prescott had a great game, but Zeke could not get it going. That offensive line couldn't open up holes for Zeke to get it going. Vikings end up cruising to victory. Not cruising, winning the game. And those are my Week 10 headlines. Well, that'll wrap up this edition of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. There likely won't be a podcast at the end of the week because, of course, the Packers are on their bye week, which they enter again. 8-2 at the bye. Not a bad start at all. If you would have told me preseason... 8-2 and at the bye, I would have signed immediately. But if I decide to surprise you guys, you will see a podcast. I'll post it on Twitter, so check that out. It may just be a a generic NFL spot. Maybe I get a generic NFL guy to come on and, and chat. We shall see. Maybe I'll even just tweet out my three picks of the week since I did go two and one this week. So I'm back over 500 finally. It's been a long three weeks since I've gone over 500 finally. Hit that mark. So maybe I'll just give you the three picks over Twitter. Give me, give you some of my thoughts heading into week 11. We'll, we shall see. Remember, you can listen to the podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of those wonderful platforms. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, Go Pack Go!